It's the Locked On Canes podcast where it's all about the you. My name is Fred Purdue. I am one of your hosts. I'm joined by my boy Cam Underwood. What's going on, Cam? Yeah, what's going on? It's a uh, bye week Tuesday. So, uh, you know, onward we go. Yeah, usually we always say, you know, it's usually on to Florida State, on to Louisville, on to whatever school that's going to get their face kicked in normally week to week. But it's on to the bye week. And I think this is this is a good time to talk you know, little press conferences. You know, we got some. We got a player that's gone into the transfer portal, and we kind of can use that as a uh, as our a segue into our feature here of legacy players. We're gonna talk legacy players that it just doesn't meet the standard at Miami anymore. So we have a jam packed show today. So let's before we get into everything, make sure you go follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Canes. Make sure you go follow me on Twitter at Fred Purdue CFB, and you can also find Cam on, on Twitter at Underwood Sports. So we got the house cleaning out the way. So first up, we have a, a another transfer. It seems like Miami has had a ton of transfers. I've seen, it feels like the whole roster is transferring. Uh, guys that you just think are going to be superstars down the road, they just – they every year that recruiting cycle just goes and says, well, you're going to get eaten up and – spit out and I think this is one of those situations um evidence in Joku brother of David and Joku former first round pick of the Cleveland Browns uh he has decided to enter the transfer portal what say you is this something that's a kind of a blip on the radar or it's just a non-factor I mean I don't really see the difference between a blip on the radar and a non-factor here I mean it's not like uh you know you're losing a starting level player uh, you know, earlier this year you had Cleveland Reed, uh, who maybe profiled as a starter down the line on offensive line. You had Brian Hightower, who had started as a freshman and a couple games as a sophomore. He left. Evidence Najoku, you know, honestly, it is what it is. He came here. He's a redshirt junior or redshirt sophomore, excuse me. So he's in his third year here at Miami, and he has one catch for 11 yards total, and that was last year at Pittsburgh. Uh, or yeah, uh, it's just. You know, sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes you need a new start somewhere else, and I think that that's uh, best for evidence. Uh, earlier this year in September, uh, he elected or was kind of maybe nudged a little bit by the coaching staff to switch from wide receiver to tight end like his brother had before him. But evidence is a tall, thin guy. He's not David. And everybody wants to say, oh, well, they have the same last name, so they're built the same. They're no. not. Exactly. Like, evidence Najoku is 6'6", six, six, probably almost 6'7", 200-something pounds. Like, And I mean 200, like, maximum not minimum you know David Njoku like he got in the weight room and blew up like he just added the weight like he's just a different kind of frame and so you know Miami was like hey maybe try tight end but that doesn't fit his uh, evidence's uh, body type or his play style like he was a you know run a nine route and jump over somebody guy in high school like that's the wide receiver he was um so you take him away from the position I think that he should be playing a wide receiver. And I've said that for years. People even, you know, back when he signed, oh, he's going to go inside just like his brother. Nah, man, he's not. He's not his brother. He's a different kid. And, you know, I think that's borne out by the fact that, you know, he struggled to get on the field at wide receiver. Uh, and then definitely, you know, when he switched to tight end, that wasn't going to happen. Why? Because you got Brevin Jordan, the best tight end in America. You know, like, where, where's the playing time? So, uh, you know, like I said, he has one catch or had one catch uh, in his third year here on campus in a competitive game. 
I think it was best for all parties because even now spinning that forward, when was when and where on offense was he going to play? I don't see those reps coming. So you know, evidence Njoku, we wish you the best elsewhere. Yeah, when I saw when I saw this come across the ticker, I said, okay, it was one of those. All right, okay, I'm about going back to getting getting back to doing what I do. This isn't surprising to me. I mean, where were you going to start at tight end? You know, Miami hasn't really had a big outside of really Lawrence Cager, who I'm still mad. Where where was all of this this smoke that he's getting now? Where was that the last couple of years? Um, but also Tommy Streeter. Those are the only big guy receivers that I can remember over the uh, last. Excuse you, excuse you. The legend himself, Daryl Langham. Oh yes, the the legend himself. Yes, Daryl Langham. Yes. Come on, yes, man. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Come on, come on. Like, yeah, let's yeah, you know yeah. put you know give give eighty one his respect, put man. Some respect on, on his name because he 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 put that started the whole Florida State winning Hello. streak. Let me say it for one more time for the people in the back, those Florida State fans that may just be listening and they might leave at this point. But the the winning streak that started against you guys, it started with him. So yeah, so the current and ongoing exactly. Exactly. Streak, by the way. Exactly. Go ahead and hire Deion Sanders for me. Don't you can you can leave the residual check in in the over here at the Locked On Canes when when you guys do that because that's going to yes, be a great. Yeah, exactly. So um, you know, but outside of those three guys, you don't see the red the the typical red zone threat kind of guy. The six six. 205 210 he's not fast he's just taller than you and 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 i'll throw jimmy graham in there i'll throw jimmy graham in there only because he was he's all receiver no tight end so those but i mean he would like jimmy graham played power forward on the football team like he was a tight end i mean he wasn't necessarily (laughs) a skilled tight end exactly but i mean come on he was still 6'6 260 like okay 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 i tried i tried jimmy i tried i tried you know and look jimmy's still doing numbers in the league but like, get, I mean, again, respect the man. He played tight end. Okay, okay. You know, the man doesn't like being called a tight end. He wants to be called a receiver because you know that's where the money is. So I tried, Jimmy. If you're listening, I tried. So look, but that that's only really for the the franchise tag negotiations. But we're not paying <laughs> nobody over here. So not well, that we can call it like of. it is. <laughs> right. Exactly. Maybe in a couple. Back, of, man. Maybe maybe in a couple years when you know. When it's a little more legal, but nonetheless, you know, we don't have Miami isn't known over the last decade or so for just bringing in guys that are six, six monsters. There's no Mike Evans running around out here. You Miami is known for the, the deep ball guy. The possession guy, the Alan Hearns possession guy, whether it's Rashawn Scott or Alan Hearns or whoever you want to put in there. I, I almost said Aldarius Johnson. Ooh, no, 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 no. Uh, for one year, one year. Uh, but then you, you're, Miami's really known for the, the, the speed guy, the Sonoris Moss. Yeah, I'm taking it back a little bit. The Santana Mosses, the Jeff Thomases, the Philip Dorsets. That's what they're known for, the speed guy, the little water bug guy who can just get behind you and he he, he's gone. That's what Miami's known for when it comes to receivers. And Njoku just isn't – he wasn't going to get on the field. And I think maybe there's another one that may just follow in his footsteps. Um, well, let, let me stop you there uh, before we go on to what you're going to say because I know where you're going. You know where that. I'm going. <laughs> I do know where you're going with that. But before we go there, all I will say is if you look – and, again, I, I approach most things in, through the prism of recruiting – because player acquisition and team building 
it, I mean, it is it is necessary. You know, my I love cooking. That is one of my main hobbies, culinary pursuits. So you have to have gourmet ingredients to make a gourmet meal. Mm-hmm. That's just invariably true. Here in South Florida, the kids that you're talking about, who are the Mike Evans-sized guys, like, you know, at wide receiver, are not playing receiver. They're playing D-end. This is true. You know what I mean? So there is a dearth of those guys here. And there are a They're couple. They're Gregory Russo. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? And, like, yeah, he did play wide receiver in high school. But ain't nobody, I mean, no really, nobody really looked at Russo and said, oh, that's a wide receiver at the next level. You looked at him and said, nah, Put your hand in the dirt end. and go chase yeah, people. Let, exactly. So even at the high school level, those kids with that kind of size, you take them from the periphery inside a little well at least a little bit from a split you know split end flanker Mm -hmm. wide receiver position and then you put them at a defensive end every now and then they'll do double duty and play tight end but those guys are the freaks on defense Mm -hmm. down here in south florida so i mean there are a couple of guys here and there you're trayvon grimes you're marcus rosemi in this recruiting class and if you look back at all these other guys amari cooper he was not you know six three six four he's six one six two Jerry Judy, same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, who was the other guy? Uh, Grandpa Ridley, uh, because he was very old in high school. He turned 20 before he graduated high school <laughs> to Alabama. But, and that's verifiably true. I'm not slandering this man. This is absolutely true. Uh, his senior year at high school, Monarch rescheduled their schedule. So he turned 19 years and nine months, uh, Calvin Ridley, after their third game. So he played three games a senior year, and then they had a bye week, week four, to redo the offense with him not on the team because he aged out of eligibility. I'm not slandering this man. This is absolutely con- yeah. uh, true. <laughs> Beyond controversial. Go look it up. I guarantee you. But my point is, even he is only 6'2". You don't have these big, gigantic guys down here a lot. And, and if you do, they're probably a couple steps too slow. Exactly. So you're not going to really have them at a Miami level. You might see there was a kid from Fort Lauderdale High School, Gardner, I think his last name was. He, he was about 6'6", 210, but he wasn't the fastest guy. He went to Miami of Ohio mm-hmm. and had a very good career there at that you know group of five level. But these big monstrous wide receivers that you're looking for, quote unquote, and you try to go out of area and get the evidence of Joku to be, they, they don't really exist down here, which is why, again, I'm saying, you know, if we add more spread elements into the offense, then you can take advantage of the guys who are more Mike Harley sized mm-hmm. than, you know, Mike Harley is the perfect Miami receiver. I mean, you're honestly, not, you're not the, the days of I've always said in spread football. And I know we're talking, we're going to go a little X's and O's here. So, you know, let's get it. So, you know, for me, when I say spread offense, I, I say I want three times. I want three. If we're, let's just say we go four wide. Let's just say we for, you can insert the tight end if you want to, but in spread, we don't really have a tight end. He's just a big receiver. So in my perfect spread offense, let's say for Miami players, let's we can use them from today and yesteryear. Um, for me, I need my, my ex. My ex is Andre Johnson, no, no questions asked. And I know we're going completely left field, but we're going to go left field on this one. So we're going to go. And you're welcome. We're going we're gonna to throw this whole audible in there. So we're going to go left field in just a sec all right so 
We went completely left field, and I know you guys are going to love this one. So we're going to build our our spread offense here for, for the Miami Hurricanes. And, and then, look, I'm, I'm going to let Fred get back to the point he was going to make earlier before I cut him off, too, because we didn't forget about that. But we're just going to take a little detour real quick. Yeah, yeah just a, we're going to go the scenic route, okay? So my ex, my my big guy, my, my, my receiver who is the dominant receiver, we want an Andre Johnson type guy. We want a, we want a 6'3", 220, he's height, weight, speed. By on this team, that's D Wiggins. I mean, if you just want to use today's team, that's D Wiggins. That's him all day long. It, you also want a possession guy. You need that possession guy who he's just going to come down with it no matter what. That can be your Mike Harley, or it can be your Reggie Wayne because he can play in the slot. He can play on the outside. He can take. He can take. He can take the the jet sweeps. Those are all things he can do. He's a Swiss Army knife. And then again, you have your slot. You have, and there's various things you can do with this slot. You can have a Mike, uh, a Mike Harley. You can have a Devin Hester. God, if he would have played in a spread offense, he would have been dangerous. Uh, he couldn't catch the ball in college. He though. could. We he tried. could. He couldn't. But here's the thing: in college now, you don't have to catch a ball. It's screen. Look, touch no, we pad. tried to sc- no go or, no, or, no no or no 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 touch no, no. Pad. Look, it's touch pad. Look 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 look. Jet this is the wisdom of age coming in a little bit because <laughs> I was there in college with this man at that time when Devin Hester was there. We tried yes, I everything know we tried. We tried. to get this man the ball and not have him drop it. If it was special teams, good. But, look, we did. If you remember that bowl game when LSU yes, blew us Yes, I out, do, and they, I do remember that They bowl played game. him everywhere. Yes. They put him at running back. Running they back. said, look, we're, we're going to hand you the ball because that's an easy way to mm-hmm. secure you having possession of this ball to try to get, make plays. Like we, Miami did everything possible to get Devin Hester the ball. And he couldn't catch it. And then, you know, obviously he goes in and has a good career as a wide receiver, is the best return man in Return history. man, yeah. But, look, they tried everything. Exactly. He's, and it didn't work. But, but okay, so I, I, we'll take that. I look at him as the game breaker. He's the game breaker that he's your Jeff Thomas. He's that deep threat guy. We'll, we, all you got to do is just look up and let it fall in your let it fall in your hands. But he, and that's what he did. He let yeah, it fall on the ground. Yeah. So my slot, my perfect slot is Braxton Berrios. He catches everything. He's always available. He's that in a perfect world. That's what he, he's a water bug receiver by today's standards. Uh, you can, you can add in guys like a Sonoris Moss, Santana Moss. You can add in any of those guys. Mike Harley is the perfect mold. Those are the perfect molds. And then of course you have your tight end, your big receiver. He can be, that can be your Jimmy Graham. That can be your David Njoku because he can't be covered by anyone or my personal favorite of the of the bunch Brevin Jordan he is the best tight end in America I must repeat this he is the best tight end in America and there's not a safety he's too sm- he's too slow too slow too small too slow corner nah you don't even have a chance and by the way that linebacker no mm, no 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 uh you don't have the feet for that so those are your four receivers you want those are that's the perfect offense, and we can you can at that point we're inserting Jaron Williams. You're insert you can insert a Ken Dorsey. It's just distribute the football. That's that's the easy part when you have those kind of weapons, and that's what we talk about when we say spread 
offense. It's not throwing the ball down the field a bunch. It's not that. It's getting guys in space, using a guy like a at a Louisville Tutu Atwell, using him that way and saying, look, we're going to put you in space, make a guy miss, go get 10 yards, 12 yards, 15 yards. We're going to get chunk plays, and we're going to do it. We'll do it how the NFL does it, has, how the NFL has learned to do it. We're going to use those those air raid concepts. I know, yeah, we're going to really go there. Those air raid concepts, those meshes, those, those nice um, pick routes that we love, those RPOs that we love because we have guys like DJ Dallas who has to be respected, a guy like Duke Johnson who has to be respected, and we can sprinkle in your Edron Jameses and your Frank Gores, your power backs. You can sprinkle those guys in. But for, the, for me, it would be a Clinton Portis, but that's – rather here nor there um you know those are the guys you sprinkle in and you can it's an it's just it's death by a thousand cuts it's not always we're gonna throw an 80 we're gonna throw a 40 yard post route and that's it right but i mean to me spread offense is spreading the field Mm -hmm. and then using advantage to take up that space it is not necessarily just you know 70 throws a game Mm -hmm. we were talking about you know people came at me on twitter yesterday because i said that mike leach would not have ever been a fit here which is why miami passed over him when he openly campaigned for the job twice (laughs) like, oh no you know no mike leach mike leach i said no like because you can spread to run and you can spread to throw like Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to you don't have to just throw it 80 times a game exactly. like a Mike Leach team does, which I know a lot of those are extensions of the run game, quote-unquote, because you're throwing your quick screens, your slip screens, and all those kind of things to get the ball on the edge. But, like, Miami, I think you can have a diversity of talent and use them in a diverse amount of ways. And, again, if you have any combination of the four receivers, three receivers in tight end that Fred just talked about, and you choose how you want to align them, now you got to decide, are we going to allocate our defensive resources to the edges to take up and defend all these guys that they have on the edge? Or are we going to leave somebody in the box because Miami has running backs always and forever? So now we get to choose. Average running and if you backs saw this last game, look, at other com- at other look man, DJ Dallas had 96 yards against Louisville. Cam Harris had a big run again. You know, mm-hmm. And where did those come? Up the middle because mm-hmm. all of a sudden, because we went without Brevin Jordan in this game last week. Mm-hmm. We went a lot more uh, 20 sets, so two mm-hmm. backs, no tight ends, mm-hmm. three receivers. Mm-hmm. Or you go, you know, one back, four wide. Mm-hmm. And now you got to spread them because, you I mean, you're just not going to let those guys run by you. Except for Louisville actually let us run by them and didn't tackle the run very well. I mean, It hey, got turned around in do. circles, too. Don't forget that. Yo, honestly. And I wanted to talk about that in a second. But. You, get, you spread them out, and you find space for them to run. And, I mean, that can work. And then, you know, obviously, Jaron Williams is a surgeon in the RPO game, mm-hmm. um, which is great. Um, but, yeah, you know, so th- I mean, there, there's more than one way to get things done. Uh, you know, and I think that if Miami continues along this path, I think we're seeing, you know, obviously we're not going to go back in time and re-recruit uh, those guys that Fred talked about to be on the roster. But you have – Similarly, you have the mold players. in place. You do. You yeah. have the mold in place. And I, I remember the Mark Whipple days. I, th- I saw a little bit of it, but I didn't. And I saw the evolution. Heck, I even saw it with one Ja'Cory Harris who threw every, who did everything he could to throw an interception. He was the, he was the ideal spread guy. When Miami thought about saying we're going away from the pro style 
running back with a fullback, tight end attached to the line of scrimmage, two receivers. We're going away from that. The most bland, basic offense I've ever seen. We're going to spread the field, three receivers, four receivers, a tight end on, on the outside. The, the Clive Walford days even, I mean, he was a perfect – he was – great example of a good tight end who can be a game changer so the one thing I've said is you have to go to these different personnel sets and you have to be able to match it's a matchup game if you have six in the box we're running you have five in the box we're running if you put seven in the box to stop the run we're going over top all day long and I dare you to stop it because I mean I mean Louisville they decided not to take that dare and, and for me, I love this part of the game because while my background is, in, is actually on the field, I actually come from, a, from a, a coaching background as well. And having, unfortunately, he went to the wrong school, but I had a five-star wide receiver on my team, one Javon Harrison who decided to go to Florida State, and God bless his soul, things happen. But he decided to go to the dark side, but he was a game-breaking type of receiver. And when you have those guys and you have multiples of those and you're going and and you have an offense based around being very balanced. That's the one thing I love about being able to call an offense is the balance that you have. If you have a quarterback like a Jaron Williams in the RPO game who understands when to pull it, when to throw it, you I mean, it's virtually unstoppable and you can walk up and down the field. I marvel at guys like a Tua Tonga Viola. I lo- I marvel at a guy like a Trevor Lawrence when he's not throwing stupid interceptions. I marvel. I even marvel at a guy. And I'll take it back a, a little bit. Uh, for me, the most exciting quarterback throwing spread ops spread offense quarterback that I've ever seen. Johnny Manziel, he did a lot of the same things that we want to see, but not from that same stature. I do not want a 5'11 quarterback ever again. So, you know, <laughs> I never want to see Malik Rozier ever again, and that's no shots at him. He's part of the family. but I mean, look, Malik, he had his shortcomings, but he was 6'1". Like, let's, let's give him his height. At oh, okay. He was, look, he wasn't no Johnny Manziel size. Like, come, <laughs> on come on now, come on now. And look, I was very loud, loud, loud. In my criticisms about Malik Rozier, but let's let's come on. Be nice to him. Okay, I'll put some respect on his name. But I'm saying just like look, call it like it is. The man was six one, give him at least a six one. Okay, I'll give him a six one. I'll give him a six one. But I for me, I personally I, I like a guy because I think fans see when they see the game, they see the T V copy, but they never see the all twenty two copy and for everyone that is listening to our voices right now, if you can go get an all 22 copy of any football game, whatever team you like, it doesn't matter if you're a whoever you're a fan of, just if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, I'm sorry to hear that. But um, if you're a fan of whatever college team, NFL team, heck, high school team, go find the all 22 tape. It'll change your life. I promise. Yeah. All right. So we went down the, the, the rabbit hole a little mm-hmm. bit here. So, and that was a little bit of my doing, but hopefully you guys enjoyed that that scenic detour. So, mm-hmm. let's get back on the path where we started. Okay. So, I got to ask you, Fred. I know you were going somewhere after the discussion about Evidence Najoku as a transfer. Mm-hmm. Continue that path. Okay. What were you going to say? Okay. So, for me, when I look at those bigger guys, I need that bigger player to not he has to be a decent route runner and he has to be if you're going to have a kid like that um he can't just be a nine route guy you know when you're at Miami you have to have a diverse route tree 
and it also lends itself to the fact that and it's kind of a two it's a double-edged kind of thing i don't necessarily think just because you're a legacy guy also that things are gonna work out just because oh my brother's david and joku and he's can he can teach me everything mm, not so much I mean, and, and we, we, we're going to get there in a second because that's a, that's a beef I have with Miami more than any school I've ever seen is the amount of guys that they bring in just because of their last name. Manscaped is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. All right, so, you know, we, we, said, we teased at the beginning that we would be talking about legacy players, right? So one of the biggest things I've said is that legacy players at Miami just don't work. And we kind of touched on this a couple weeks ago uh, when Cam, when you first got here. So mm-hmm. legacy players, we said guys like Chicolo, eh, Scott Patchen, Pat Bethel. These guys have great last names and they, they're, much, they're athletically gifted. It is what it is. They're the most gifted player in the, in the country or even in their area and High school recruiting is weird because you're the big fish in a you're you're a big fish in a small pond, and then once you get to you once you get to D one college football level, you're a small fish in a big pond, and you have to prove yourself, and you have to live up to that name, which you never really do get a chance to live up to those names, like we talked about with Sean Taylor's brother. It's I, there are a litany of names that Miami has, and it's like, are we ever going to get to a point where you treat that guy? like you would anybody else forget his last name or does that check really matter that much for making sure that player gets in you have to consider legacies you just do um so i don't think that there's going to be a wholesale like ignorance Mm -hmm. uh of them but yeah you know uh, most of the legacy players that miami's gotten recently have not worked out uh, and Evidence Njoku is another one. Yeah, and I know it's in the same generation because his brother is only a couple years older. Uh, but, I mean, if you look back at Jeff James, Edron James's nephew, that didn't work out. Ray Lewis the third, that didn't work out. Kevin Olsen, that did not work out. Um, Evidence Njoku, like I said. Uh, there's a couple other that I'm forgetting uh, as well who, who came here to Miami, and they were just extra regular degular. They were just a guy. Maybe I throw um, out some names like in the Alon, like an AJ Highsmith, a yeah, there's one, a Kevin Olson. <laughs> yeah, I said that one. I said okay, that one. Uh, um, Michael Irvin Jr. <sighs> see, but Michael Irvin Jr. is fine. You know, he's he was never going to be the playmaker, and he had one year. Uh, well, his junior year when he was still out in Texas, uh, he had one game. Excuse me, of like 22 catches. Uh, in a high school game, but they basically threw every pass his way. But nobody really looked at him and thought, okay, like this is playmaker 2.0. It's like, okay, it's a guy, like whatever. And to be a, you know, third string tight end, third, fourth string, whatever, sure, that's fine, cool. But like, I think with Michael Irvin II, the expectations were the most realistic of any of these legacy guys that we're talking about and to get to your your original question i hope that miami is able to evaluate the players kind of blindly you know and you have to take with that what comes with that so you know i said uh, last week that i don't think that gabe taylor sean taylor's younger brother is miami caliber you have to live with that 
So if he goes off somewhere else and goes to a small school and balls out and everything, you have to be okay with that. Just like you had to be okay with letting Tutu Atwell go elsewhere. I think it's the exact same thing at, with a legacy as it is with a local player. And sometimes the legacy is a local player, just like, you know, Gulliver Preps on Gabe Taylor. You have to have a standard that you're looking at. You have to have an athletic profile that you're looking for at every position. And if that player, regardless of where he's from, regardless of his last name, if they don't fit that paradigm, you have to let them go and be okay with that. And I saw so many people came at me during the game when I was tweeting for State of the U, talking about, oh, Tutu Atwell this, Tutu Atwell that. Look, two years ago in the recruiting class, Miami brought in Brevin, excuse me, Brian Hightower, Mark Pope, D. Wiggins, and Marquez Izard. All were four-star recruits at wide receiver. All were bigger physical guys. Mm-hmm. Where was Tutu Atwell getting in? You know, you made a choice to take the two kids from Southridge, uh, All-American from IMG, and then one of the bigger physical wide receivers in that class to be a big inside slot a la Anquan Bolden. Mm-hmm. You made your choices. So now you cannot go back and re-legislate the, you know, things. And I don't think that the program is doing that, but I think that this is more for the mentality of the fan base to really, you know, I know that I loved it when I was a freshman in 2000 and a, a sophomore in 01 when we won the national championship and I had classes with all these guys and I would see them on campus and I would walk around and Santana Moss saved me from getting pounded into the pavement one time. That was great. But if there's a kid whose last name is Moss coming up now who's another 5'9 wide receiver who's fast and a track guy but he is not as good as Santana or Sonoris were, I'm going to let that go. Mm-hmm. And I think that everybody has to come to terms with that. Yeah. I, and for for me, I, when I look at it, I say, I'll use your example, Gabe Taylor. Um, he, I'm looking right now, I'm looking at his recruiting profile. He has offers from Bryant, Coastal Carolina, and Rhode Island at this point in the recruiting process. In the middle of November. In the middle of November. And that's good for him. Because that's great able, for him. If Look, if he's able to elevate and get to a, get a MAC offer, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like a Toledo or something, that's all, considering where he is or with the offers and everything, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Even if he gets a really good FCS offer, that's amazing. But I honestly think that that's where he should be looking exactly. to fit. And I don't want to hear from people. In the Miami fan base about, oh, Miami is not. Look, because when you have guys out there who are not big enough, are not fast enough, then that's when you have, and I did not like that as a player, but like a non-tombo kill Fentress. Oof. What right? I mean, like, yeah. why, why are we playing linebacker. a guy? Yeah. Linebacker slash safety or whatever. Look, and I know that he wants to be a neurosurgeon, and I wish him the best in life possible. And all these guys, I harbor no ill will to the men that they are. But that was a substandard player, especially when you have three guys in that secondary that year who ended up being NFL safeties. Why are we playing this guy? Because you put yourself in a bad position by taking him in the first place. So now imagine if instead of it being Nantambo Kill Fentress, it's AJ Highsmith who came down because his father played here, Alonzo Highsmith, and was a legend. Imagine that, and it can, you can keep going and going mm-hmm. and going. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that anymore. It's, it's, I want to get the guys that we should have, period. Now, and there are outliers in this. I mean, and I follow recruiting more nationally for me. For ex- I'll get, the best example I have is, is 
for Alabama. They have Bear Bryant's grandson. He's a, I think he's a freshman quarterback. That was going to happen no matter what. He was going nowhere else. But he was also a four-star recruit quarterback. So it matches up with what you're, the, the number, the height, weight, speed, the, the film, and the stars match up with the school plus the legacy. You, I mean, he could have ended up at Texas A&M. He could have ended up at Kentucky. Nine times out of ten, he's ending up at Alabama. But those are the outliers, and there Look, are those me, things that happen. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Where is Frank Gore Jr. going to college? FAU? Thank you. Because yeah. and, and I know people are listening like, wait, there's a Frank Gore Jr.? Yeah. Yes, and he's a current senior in this recruiting class. Mm-hmm. But he's 5'7", five, 5'8". Mm-hmm. And he's, I mean, look, he doesn't fit here. You know, his dad, like, he was 5'10". He was an all everybody's All-American. He was a better player and a bigger physical guy. But, like, you know, people are now all of a sudden saying, well, what about Gabe Taylor? Ain't nobody said nothing about no Frank Gore II. Nope. Why? Because he doesn't fit. And look, again, I wish him all the best at FAU. That's fine. But that's not what Miami should be doing. And just to put a, just to put it, you know, put some context on that. He has an SEC. Frank Gore Jr. He does have an SEC offer, but it's also the out. It's also the outlier. It's you have FAU, Chattanooga, uh, and Southern Miss. And Miami has interest, uh, but there's nothing. There's no real offer. Miami didn't even offer. Put put and that he's out. Camped here multiple times. Right. He didn't even get an offer. So and, and who's the, who's the wait who's the SEC offer from Kentucky Kentucky, yep. Mm-hmm. Why? Because Stoops and Eddie Grand are from or they they both have been down here and worked mm-hmm. down here at Miami and Florida State. So they say okay, Frank Gore the second he came up to a camp or at a regional uh, satellite camp thing. Cool, we'll offer him an offer. Maybe we'll get it. You know, make it work. But like, even with that quote unquote SEC offer, which may or may not be committable even at this point, he's cho- <laughs> choosing to go to FAU. And that's okay. It's okay. Because everybody has to choose their own path and live their own life and become their own man. Now, if you have an All-American kid. That's, that's a different story. Who's, you know, a, you know, if DJ Williams has a son who's a 6'3", 230-pound linebacker, five-star, you know, can get mm-hmm. sideline to sideline just like his dad and everything. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, We're gonna, like, yeah. You get that offer. It's, yeah. it's legit. Yeah, exactly. Go give me that. We'll make that happen. But – stretching the bounds of the profile athletically and physically for the players that Miami is recruiting specifically for legacy recruits is a thing that I think is ending and I think should end because if it doesn't then it puts the program in a negative situation uh, in terms of roster building and the last thing I'll say on that is I would rather go for guys like if you look at at cornerback right now there are five on the roster. Five. Mm-hmm. What good is it to take a guy who's too small and too slow at corner, who's a legacy right now, just to fill a number? I don't see one. You know what I mean? So just you have to work with it, you know, and just I, I think that the staff is doing a good job of really divorcing themselves from the names the last names of the people and looking at the players that they want and need for this program. Um, but yeah, as we see, okay, there's only another couple legacies still on this team that, you know, there might still be some down the line, but I would like to see, you know, us earn 
or them earn it in the way that everybody else does to be a Miami Hurricane. Yeah, I, I need I need that culture to stop as well. Um, I think the one that really, like I said, grinded my gears the most was the Ray Lewis Jr. I mean, just watching him in high the school. Third. The third, yeah, sorry. Um, he just he didn't even look the part. I mean, he looked he played it like a two a Florida two A school in Orlando that had he had no business there. It was Ray, and it was like Ray Lewis was like, oh, I'm gonna get my son's gonna get my old my old dorm room. What does that do for you in the national championship championship picture? Nothing. Nothing at all. At Alabama, and, and and I I always say Alabama's the standard, at least in nationally. Clemson's the standard as far as the ACC. You don't see either one of these schools doing these things. Well, wait a minute. You don't. You don't. Wait a you, minute. You don't see. You don't see. No. 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 We do. It's just the fact that those guys are not now integral players because Brent Venable's son plays at Clemson. This is true. Both of the both of Kirk Herbstreet's twin boys are like bottom of the roster guys at Clemson as well. So they're there. You're doing that. But it, there's a difference when you give them the honorary lifetime achievement mm-hmm. because you are your father's son right. scholarship spot right. and you play them you know, two or three times a year in a blowout versus you giving them the lifetime achievement award on the on the work of their father. Right. But then as a sophomore, they're playing starter level snaps when they don't have the profile or ability to do that. That's where things are different. Agreed. Because teams okay. do it. Yeah. Okay. But they bury them because the roster is constructed in a proper way outside of those legacy kind of guys. Agreed. Okay. Yeah. I can go with that. I can go with that because – I think the one and my and to end on this, I think a lot of times, um, just like the kids get their they they get so enthralled with the name on the jersey and all, and the logo on the helmet, and they just go where the where it's the hot school to go to. The school wants thinks there's a check behind it, and I don't think they realize is that check really. Are you really willing to sell your soul to the devil, per se? Simply for your legacy's check, especially if if that check is Phil Knight's kids' check, that's different. See, that's it, it, it is that's different. You, look, but you can also stay true to yourselves because you know who came here for a year and paid his own way very recently. Vincent Testaverde, yes, Vinny Testaverde's Vincent, son. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes, so we, transfer, you know, yeah. it said, look, okay, yeah, he transferred in from uh, Texas, Tech Texas Tech and everything, and we're like, okay, well, we don't have scholarship spot for you, but his dad was in the NFL for twenty five years yeah. or whatever it was, yeah. So he's like, cool, I'll write y'all an eighty thousand dollar check for tuition, ain't nothing, yeah. That's not- oh, cool. So now, if you want to do that, just to say, I played to be the walk on. Exactly, to unretire the number so you can wear it on the sideline. Mm-hmm. It still says Testaverde, so technically it's still in the family. You can be here. Da-da. If you want to do that, then that's one thing. But then again, Vinny Testaverde, Vincent, the younger one, was not starting. Right. Whereas not starting, yes. Some of these other guys were thrust into, yeah. if and not there starting, were major rotation snaps. There were definitely exactly. guys better than Exactly. And, and that's the point. That was an Al Golden thing, too, in the beginning. And I, and I remember that. That was the one thing I always said. He kind of brought that thing back, and it really kind of annoyed me. One of the f- many things he did. 
I never trust. My number one rule with any coach is never trust a man on the sideline with a tie on in 2019, but that's rather here nor there. Um, no shots at P.J. Fleck, though. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. Roll the boat. Yeah, yeah, roll the boat. Yeah, yeah. No, no shots fired. I don't want none of that. I don't want any Minnesota smoke, so you guys can leave me alone on Twitter So because uh, I know it's coming. But, yeah, the legacy thing has to stop, and I think it will. Manny Diaz is changing this culture. He's trying to rid these bad habits from the Shannon era, the – uh, the golden era, uh, fool's golden era. Sorry, um, and uh, I don't really see. A, I, don't, I can't say there were a lot of bad habits in the Rick era. I think there were there were some good qualities, but I think he's trying to ramp it up into a whole nother level, and I think that's going to happen. Uh, and we'll and we'll kind of kind of keep going with this whole recruiting thing uh, later in the week. You know, I said we had a a, a guest coming on uh, later in the week, so we'll be talking a little bit more recruiting with Andrew Ivans from Twenty Four Seven Sports. So he'll kind of give us a little bit more insight as far as recruiting is concerned, and that that's a good thing that we can do uh, with this bye week. So guys, stay tuned uh, to the show make sure you follow us on twitter uh you can follow the show at locked on canes you can follow cam at underwood sports and you can follow myself at fred produce cfb we have some nice things in store we might even have a former player come on and talk to us a little bit give his thoughts on what he's seen throughout the rest throughout the season Uh, but we have some things in store i know it's not a game week but we'll be talking a little bit more about these upcoming opponents cam any final words Nah, I think I said everything that I needed to say. Um, Y'all know that I run stateoftheu.com. I'm the managing editor over there, so please come over there and fan with us and be sure that you check out Locked on Canes every day. All right, Cam, so we will reconvene here on tomorrow where we'll be talking a little bit more of the things that are surrounding this program. But until tomorrow, folks, I am Fred, that is Cam, and we are out. Go Canes. And.